you for putting Bibles together. Because if it wasn't for your hands, these Bibles wouldn't be on the platform today. If it, if it wasn't for what you have sacrificed today, and I know Sunday afternoon, uh, there's all kinds of things that people could be doing on a Sunday afternoon, but you came here to put Bibles together to please your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I thank you for that. I know that God thanks for that. But mostly the person who's going to really thank you is the one that receives this Bible at the end of the, at the, end of the journey, wherever they're going. These Bibles are going to Venezuela. Uh, at least that's what I'm understanding. They're going to a missionary, uh, his location in the United States, and he will distribute them, get them over into, uh, I believe, Venezuela is where they're going. So we can be praying for that country. Uh, that's, a, that's a great place to send these Bibles. Uh, that country, well, there's not a country in the world that doesn't need the Bible. Um, and I just want to mention what uh, um, James was talking about, the Bible that he had, that we got a picture of, and it was found 7,000. I would love to tell you the country, and if you come ask me later on, I'll tell you, but, but because we're recording this, let me just tell you, it was in the Middle East. It was in the Middle East, one of those Middle Eastern countries where that kind of stuff is not tolerated. What you're doing in this church, that tells me so much about what this ministry and this church is capable of accomplishing. We're, we're able to accomplish great things for the Lord simply because we have a heart for God and his word. And so we do this. We do this for that very reason. That is the motivation for it, and I just thank you for it. Uh, that's about all I really want to say because I got some other stuff later on uh, at, towards the end of the service. It'll be, I'll take a little bit more time. But to thank you for for this work. Uh, I don't know how many there are still out there that need to be boxed and cut, cut and then boxed. But uh, you know we have a lot. There's the the, um, the different rooms have Bibles in in different various stages, and so. Uh, we're excited about that. We're going to get this work done, and we're going to give God the glory. So thank you. All right. So uh, transition here and do a testimony in just a moment. Before we do, uh, I just want to welcome. I just want to welcome all of our guests. We have folks coming from all over the place, and we're, I really appreciate the the pastors and what have you that have uh, attended. Am I on? Okay. Uh, that have been able to come. We obviously we had Brian and Tammy Callaway this morning, and we enjoyed having them. Uh, I just want to also uh, recognize. I don't know if John and Cherie uh, Wright are here. They were. Or, uh, I think they were here. Are they still here? We appreciate them. They came in today and helped assemble. They brought some, their church plan up in uh, Lone Jack, Missouri, and uh, they brought their folks in and, and participated in the uh, Bible publishing, uh, and that was pretty cool. And of course, we have uh, Tony. And uh, Kara's here. Man, it's good to see Tony and Kara and the folks. Uh, thank you guys for coming in from Iola. We appreciate you. Give, you, yeah, give them some love, man. Appreciate you guys. Be praying for, be praying for Tony and Kara. They've been, they've been in a building uh, process. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, for, I'm getting to those guys too. Dave, we got, I'm off track now, bro. But uh, they're all in a building process. But uh, just be praying for them as they're, uh, as they're hopefully on the downhill side. I saw some pictures I was spying on Facebook. and, and uh, So remember Tony and Kara. And then, of course, we have David and Kathy Shelby. And uh, they're, man, we love you guys. You know, we talk about, amen. When we talk about discipleship, you know, Brian was up here talking about being, I'm a great-grandpa and all that stuff, which is awesome. And it's cool because, James, you're, you're a disciple of 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 Dave, isn't that right? You guys did discipleship one together back in the day, so that's incredible. So God has 
Oh, yeah, the white. Oh, that's awesome. So, man, I just, that's cool seeing discipleship happening and how organic that is. So, Dave has had an investment in this church before we were ever born, right? You were invested in HBF. We appreciate that and appreciate you guys. And then uh, uh, James and Rosie is not here, I don't think, but you're one flesh. So, hey, so, man, it's good to have James here and James and Rosie Fife. You guys know and love them. Give them, give him some love. And the kids are here. So, we love you guys. And uh, you'll be hearing more from James here coming up uh, the end of next month. He's going to be preaching our fabulous fifth Sunday. So I appreciate you guys coming down and investing here. He's working, you may not know, he's, he's a working staff pastor right now as he's transi- transitioning and waiting for doors to open um, in some other places that I'll let him tell you about. And so uh, just be keeping, keep James and Rosie in your prayer. They're obviously sacrificial servants, and we appreciate and love them for all they are and, and, and what they've trusted the Lord for. And uh, heard a great message this morning about that, didn't we? About what we're willing to give. And, uh, and man, we appreciate your guys' testimony and example. And we'll be praying for your future as well. So uh, I love you, James and Rosie. Uh, looking forward to seeing, seeing you guys here in a, in a month or so. Glad you're here tonight. And then uh, last but not least, we have Jane, Joe and Amy Hendricksman, uh, and they're back here. And so, uh, hey, man, we love you guys. So we'll be joining, well, not we, vicariously through, uh, through uh, the team, we will be joining y'all here in uh, November. And so uh, you guys know that Joe and Amy, many of you know they serve in Oaxaca, um, and they're getting the word where it needs to go. And that, as far as Bible publishing, Joe, is, Joe and Amy were here you know, before that you hit the field again and uh, invested heavily in our Bible conferences in years past. And really, man, they have a heart for getting the word where it needs to go in the publishing ministry. Uh, they both, uh, her father and mother and, and Joe's heritage comes from um, a lot of what's going on in Milford and, and Bearing Precious Seed. And, and they, so they have a lot of, really a lot to teach us in that regard. And their zeal for getting the word where it needs to go is just so, uh, so awesome. I mean, we just really appreciate you guys and, and the work that God's doing through uh, their Bible distribution. And so it's incredible. Also, you know, with the triumph, and there's a lot of triumph going on in Oaxaca, but there's also a lot of, of uh, challenges, and then there's also some tragedy, you know. Uh, and so, guys, I'm just praying for y'all. I know, I know your hearts have to be just completely pulverized with all the things that have transpired. They've had uh, just uh, some loss. Some young young man was passed away a few a few weeks ago, months ago, maybe a month ago or so. And now, Amy's, uh, we're you know, our condolences to you and your your mom's passing as well. So. You know, it's, in ministry is kind of tough sometimes, you know. And we think about the heritage of our Bible. The, the Bible that we hold in English uh, did not come to us, you know, on a, on a soft pillow, even though it's the king's English, right? It, there was a lot of blood, sweat, and, and tears. And I don't mean that in a metaphorical sense, um, in a literal sense. And the book that we hold is precious. Because it's God's Word, uh, there's been a high price to get it to us on time. And so... Man, it's a real blessing to have God's Word. And so I uh, appreciate everybody that's come. Great message this morning from, uh, yes. What's that? Mitch and, yeah, Mitch Dobson and Michelle Dobson. Are they in the house? Mitch and Michelle. Oh, guys, guys. I, I have you on here. I skipped you. I apologize. <laughs> Lord, I repent. <laughs> You can count on me to mess up. Okay, so I, I apologize. Mitch and Michelle Dobson, uh, Midtown. I just went all over uh, your co-pastor here. And uh, so Mitch and Michelle Dobson, serving 
at Midtown Baptist Temple. Thank you guys for coming and uh, investing in us and investing in the conference. It's your conference, our conference. We're all working in this together. And I appreciate Mitch and Michelle and, and, uh, and uh, just their love for God and your love for, for God's word. So, man, appreciate you. Um, so, are there any, before I move on, any other guest pastors, any other pastors in the house? I've skipped over. I don't, want, I don't mean to do that. Hey, I didn't know you as a pastor. That could be a premonition here, a calling. Are you called to be a pastor? What do you think? Uh-huh. We'll be praying for you. All right. <laughs> so uh, that'll be great. All right. So what we're going to do now is just share a brief testimony. Um, and I wanted to, you know, we've kind of shrouded. Oh, wait a minute. Before I get to that, I got this in my hand. Um, I wanted to just see uh, who has come the furthest to be here. Uh, today. I think it's Oaxaca. <laughs> Anyone come further than Oaxaca today? There you go, Joe. Oh, you've already got your tea. Okay, you guys are exempt other than the, other than the, than the Hendricksmans. Uh, who, has, who has driven the farthest to get here out of this group right now? I'm kind of curious. Who is, where would we, how, anyone from Jackson County? All right, Jackson County? Now, we're at KC? Anybody further than KC? Oh, Iola. Clay County. I think Iola's got us beat. Anybody out further than Iola, Kansas? All right. So who, if you're an Iola person, throw your hand up. Other than Karen. That, okay. So we got three to choose from. I just want to see you guys fight over this t-shirt. All right. I'm going to do this like a wedding. Let's see if I can. Let's see how this goes. Okay. Now, now, if you catch this, this is how this works, and you're not one of these three people, not counting Tony and Kara, it is your obligation to figure out who it goes to. So I'm taking the burden off of me. It's gonna, everyone's just going to scatter. Let's see how I do. Oh, all right. All right, we're going to do a little testimony time. I want to do, this is kind of an exciting moment for us here at HBF, um, because some of you may not know, um, you know, what, uh, what some of our members have gone through in regard to the publishing of God's Word. And so we wanted to invite Sharon DeLeon to come up and, and just share with us a little testimony uh, from her life. And so she's going to come up here and, and just give us a word about about what she's involved herself in in regard to, what's that? We're good. So, um, I was getting a little nervous. <laughs> she's, not, she's not sitting, so she doesn't want to sit. So, uh, so Sharon, Sharon is going to just... Uh, going to come and just share a few questions or share a little testimony with us. So I was just going to ask her a few questions, have a little conversation. Can you, you want to stand? I don't too? want to sit. I so know can you I, can I stand like this? You can stand wherever <laughs> okay. you want. Hi. So can you believe she's a little nervous? We're all just like friends here. We're, it's, it's our home. No, I'm going to put this over here. So, all right. Well, Sharon, um, a lot of folks may not know that you were a part of a Bible uh, right. translation team. And process. So God has blessed us with Sharon and and uh, her mother. Would you would you like a shorter stool? Is that good? No, I'm fine. Okay. I'm not going to really sit on it. Right. I didn't think so. So so you know it's really cool. Sharon and her and her mom 
were driving by our church and just driving. They just live out here in the country. Two and a half miles. Two and a half miles. And God brought them to our church by literally driving by. And she's been such a blessing. And her, of course, her mom, Mamie, went home to be with the Lord a few years ago. But you guys have just been a great blessing. We Thank really you. appreciate you. I've been, been blessed here <laughs> more than me being blessed here. So, yeah, when I grow up, I want to be like you. So. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> so uh, I just want, to sh- just want to ask a few questions and let her just share her heart. We'll just let this go uh, where God wants it to go. But just... Uh, Sit back and just kind of listen to her story. She shares with us uh, some of the things about her background. So let's just start there, Sharon. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background and uh, and how it is that uh, you were moved to enter into the translation ministry. Okay, okay. Like he just mentioned, I grew up. Okay, I grew up on a farm two and a half miles west of here. And uh, in high school, I studied Spanish, and I said, "I'll never study Spanish again." I went to college to become a math and science teacher. I took calculus the first semester at 7.30 in the morning. I, this is the first D I ever made and the last D I ever made in a, in a class. And so, but I tested into a high, higher Spanish program. And so I really enjoyed, I studied Spanish. So don't ever say never because you'll probably do what you said never to. Mm-hmm. And, Okay, so my first summer after the first year of college, I got to travel to Spain, and of course we went through France, and I thought, oh, I like French too. So I went back, and my major was Spanish with a French minor, and I graduated from Central Missouri University. And then after that, I taught Spanish in an elementary school in North Kansas City. But the people I was living with also had another young girl living with them, and her parents were missionaries in South Africa. And she had something in her that I thought, I wonder what it is. And so I kept asking, asking, asking. So she led me to Christ one day, and so that was really neat to know that. Because during college, I had gone to a lot of churches finding, trying to find what it is that I was looking for, and I didn't really know what I was looking for. But in her, I found... It was Jesus that I was looking for. So she led me to Christ. And um, then I got a scholarship to go to East Lansing, Michigan, to Michigan State University to teach Spanish, to get a master's in Spanish. I didn't do that. I didn't really like that. And so I started teaching at a high school and then a middle school, and I taught mainly French in Michigan. But the best part of being in Michigan is that the pastor of the church where the young girl went and where I was baptized, he knew of a church in Michigan and knew a pastor in Michigan. And so he sent a letter up to the pastor and gave me a letter too. And so I started going to that church and I was really blessed with East Lansing Trinity Church. It was an interdenominational church and it did not belong to any other denomination. So it was like us. You know, they taught the Word of God, and they believed the Word of God, and so I was really blessed by going to that church. Mm-hmm. And they had missions conferences every year, and so one year, Wycliffe Bible translators came and were the main missionary speakers, and I thought, oh, wow, that, I could do that. I love languages, 
and I love working with languages and stuff, that's what I could do. So I talked to them and got all the information that I needed. And um, the only thing was, I still had debts from college, and so I had to pay off those debts before I could go to their training and get anything from them. And the training was, at that time, at SI, it was called SIL, Wycliffe Bible Translators is the translation organization, and SIL, or Summer Institute of Linguistics, is the scientific um, organization that goes into the countries, gets a contract with the government to be able to translate and to be in that country. So the SIL had schools in North Dakota and Oklahoma every summer. And so I spent three summers going to their linguistic training. The first two summers were just pure linguistics. And then the third summer was literacy. Okay, think about it. We have a written language. And that, okay, still Wycliffe goes to places where there is no written language. Where they taught us to study, learn the language, give them an alphabet, uh, give them a grammar, analyze the grammar of their language before you can ever write or translate the Bible. And then you've got to have people who read. If you have a, uh, you know, the written word and you don't have anybody who reads it, then why do it right. type of thing. So we had all of that training on the Summer Institute of Linguistics. And also they said, well, have you ever really studied the Bible? And I said, nope. And they said, well, choose a place to go. And so I chose Multnomah School of the Bible in Portland, Oregon, because I wanted to go to the Northwest. <laughs> and no, but it was, a, it was a good Bible teaching school. And they had a, a type of coursework that if you were a college graduate, they would give you a graduate level um, diploma. So you had to be a college graduate to go and take this coursework. But it was really very good, very, very good. And then a part of the training is to go to Mexico to their jungle camp training. Okay, and I had asked somebody, but, and I tried to find mine, my duffel bags, but those of you who have been in the service know how, what the size of a duffel bag is and how much it will hold and everything. Okay, the only thing we could take, we were gonna be there for three months, you could take only what would fit in that duffel bag. And it, part of the thing was you had to have a pressure cooker, and you know how those big those are, how heavy they are. You had to have good, heavy hiking boots, plus your clothing. I think I took two dresses, or maybe three. I can remember two that I made, and I don't know whether I made a third one or not. And your underwear, of course, and then your sleeping things. And I can't remember, I really can't remember whether we had a sleeping bag that we took, but if we did, it was very, very small and as little as possible to fit in that duffel bag because everything had to go in the duffel bag mm -hmm. to be able to go. And so from uh, Las Casas, Chiapas, Mexico, you boarded a six-seater Cessna plane to fly in to the main camp, and we had a month in main camp, a month in advance camp, and a month in... Uh, village living. So that was part of your training with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And there we learned how to make a mud stove. They provided the iron for it, the 
what you could put things on, but we had to form the irons, the mud stove. We had to build a champa with what was there. And so we all, well, we had to have a machete so we could cut down the limbs and, <laughs> and everything to form everything, to form our champa. And the thing is, in that time, most of the leaves had been depleted, so we, they did give us plastic to cover ourselves up with. But we had to make a bed out of, you know, the limbs and stuff, and then the sides and everything. And that was part of um, jungle camp, the main camp where they taught us that. And we also had classes every day, too, of linguistics, more linguistics, more linguistics, more linguistics. And they, let's see, what else do I need to tell you about that? Um, part of that also they taught us to go in a dugout canoe and they were very heavy big dugout canoes and you pulled in them and they wanted to make sure you knew how to fall out and go down the stream because you wanted to go feet first because you didn't want to get your head hit on the rocks and stuff so that was part of the training also and um, the Indians who are the indigenous people who lived there were called the Tiltales and they helped us with laundry and stuff like that. And as we were nearing the end of advance camp, we had to have a, like a morale. And in that morale, you wanted to make sure that you had your Swiss Army knife, some trail mix, some matches, some fish hooks, and some line. And you just, you wanted to make sure that you had that always with you because they wouldn't tell you when they were going to take you because they would take us from the advance camp, the main part of the advance camp, out by boat, and they would leave you out, and they would, you would spend about three nights out without any communication with anybody else. And so you had to make sure that you had all those things and took them along. So you, you also, okay, our machete, my machete was shorter than this, but it was always hanging in a sheath here off my waist. And so, you know, I had my machete, I had my Swiss Army knife, and I had the other stuff that I needed, but you wanted to make sure you had it with you. Because I think some people forgot, and oh, they went to advanced camp without anything, and that would be bad. Okay, and why would Wycliffe do all of this stuff? They wanted to make sure that the people who were going to out into remote areas would be prepared to live off what was there in the place that they went and would be, you know, ready to go. And after advanced camp, then we went to village living. We went as a couple, two by two, and we would live with the village people and try to learn as much as possible of their language and learn to um, speak it and learn to see if we could maybe make a alphabet of their language, even though theirs was already done. But, okay, so I took the, we had to take the pressure cooker because we had to be able to um, can meat. We had to be able to can any kind of vegetable, anything that we had, we had to be able to do it because there would not be always a place to go and get something fresh. So that was part of jungle camp. And we, they gave us a jungle camp cookbook, 
and that has a lot of really neat stuff in it. I still use it. And it has a lot of substitutions. If you don't have one thing, you can find a substitution and use it. They also gave us a missionary medical manu manual because we had we learned to inject people and to suture people and things like that. We here are things that we could look through, and if people described what their ailments were, we could look through this and maybe come up with an answer while to help them to get well. But we had to be prepared, and so they gave us a missionary medical manual. Okay, now why did I do all of that? When I heard of Wycliffe Bible Translators back in the uh, East Lansing Trinity Church, it was because the... the Verses that really mean a lot to me are, and I had them memorized, I could probably do it, but I don't want to mess them up, so I'm going to read them. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And I thought, you know, being a U.S. citizen, having the Bible and being able to read it, I can be that man, I can be that person completely furnished, completely ready. But what about the people who do not have the Word of God? They don't have anything, so they need it. So that was really one of the main motivations that got me to go with Wycliffe was the fact that there are so many people in the world who need the word of God if they want to be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay, I did all that training, and you can choose the place that you want to go, and then you, like I chose to go to Guatemala. Then you go in Guatemala, I went around to different areas where there were indigenous needs, and then I chose the place Comitancio to do the translation of mom. I, and that's the language that you were translating? Yes, I was working on mom. I didn't translate anything because remember, I had, there was an unwritten language, so you first of all have to so learn it. was a dialect. It. When, you, when you got there, it was a dialect. They yeah. didn't have a written language. Right, they don't have a written language. They didn't okay. have a written language. Right. So I had to learn the language and work on an alphabet and a grammar before translating, before doing that. And um, right now, okay, there is a translation. Okay, I went in 1975. I went with another woman, and uh, we had um, a propane gas stove, and we also had a kerosene refrigerator, which was nice to have, because the place that we went did not have electricity, except for enough to light a lamp or a light bulb, just one light bulb per family during the nighttime, so there was no electricity. Okay, I had the opportunity to do deputation, and I had three churches who gave me what I needed, and many individuals. There's more really individuals than churches. And the, but one church even gave me a Land Cruiser, a Toyota Land Cruiser to drive down. And at that time, Wycliffe always said, well, don't tell them what you need unless they ask you, and it's one-on-one -on -one type of thing. So you didn't go into a church and say, I need $1,000. You couldn't, it was really forbidden to do that. But God gave me what I needed, and 
And in 1975, I needed $800. And I got that from deputizing and for, from deputation. And so I had everything I needed and went to Comitán CU in 1975. Can I pause there? Yes. So you're saying $100 a month is what you were raised, you raised for deputation? Or the $100 total? No, it's a $800. Oh, $800. Yeah. Okay. $800 per month. Per month. Okay, yeah. that's uh -huh. about how much you need to Right. Right. Uh -huh. But I had the individuals, and I don't know what it would be nowadays, what they were, what yeah. I would have to raise. But I had, I raised what I needed, and yeah. God blessed me. Praise the Lord. Yeah, he really did. Okay, so in Comitancillo, I was there learning the language. In Wycliffe, usually you work with the language. They called them informants, but I think they're just now language helpers because informant doesn't sound very good. And, <laughs> and so you had, you know, your language helper would help you, would go through the language with you and uh, try to work on it and you can, okay. And when I was there, that was before really computers were the big thing, but in, because I was there in 1975 and it was not until, um, let me think. Where do I have that written down? I don't know whether I have it written down. Anyway, it was not until 1979, I think, that they started really using the computer and getting enough that it could be done much quicker. And um, there are 7,099 languages, and, it, and at least one part of the Bible has been translated into 3,312. So there, they say that you know there's 7,099 but only 3,312 have a part of the Bible. And there are still 3,945 languages without a Bible. So we have to think about the fact that, okay, are those, like we're going to hear later on this week from those who are translating, are they going to be languages that already have their grammar and their alphabet, and it's much easier than going into, like, what I was trained to do with Wycliffe. And, um, but now I think the computer has helped them so much to do that. Okay, going back to 1975, I went to the post office one day, one Saturday morning, and I met the principal of the elementary school there. He was Guatemalan, he was a Spanish speaker, and we started talking and stuff like that. And you know, the pride or the lust of the flesh got a hold of me. I, I fell in love. I wanted to be married and be a mother more than I wanted to get the word into the mom language. And so unfortunately, I left the mission and became a Guatemalan housewife and a mother. And I lived in Guatemala 34 years, and I taught English as a second language to a lot of young girls that I got to give my testimony to, so that's good. But anyway, I became a member of Word First as soon as we formed it because to me, the Word of God, I mean, like the Bible says, you know, if without the Word of God, we don't have, we really don't have anything. We can't be the person God wants us to be. And so we've got to have the Word of God. Amen. We sure do. Well, Sharon, that's a, I really appreciate you sharing the whole testimony. I wasn't <laughs> going to ask you to tell us about the last part. So uh, that's a kind of, but I know that's a motivation, isn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. when you see uh, there's young people, especially right. in this room, who could 
God could call, like he called you, and make that commitment. You made a big commitment. It, it wasn't easy for you to take your education and decide to channel it toward translation work. Okay, but I think, I don't know whether it was not easy or for the fact that, I mean, I loved the Word of God so much, and I just couldn't fathom people being without mm-hmm. the Word of God that, you know, I just had to, whatever it took for me to do it, I would do it. Amen. So as far as the, uh, the importance of it, when you got there, I presume there was no local church, no. correct? So the, you're a in Catholic a, church, yes. Right. Like I said, and so, <laughs> so, uh, so you were you were really in a pioneering situation, and you know, I've, just what you describe in your training, that took a lot of commitment. Mm-hmm. I mean, to do that. Okay, and I was actually older than a lot of the people because I was already thirty-two when I went to Guatemala, and mm-hmm. that's sort of you know, an older lady. <laughs> yeah. So, young people, please use your youth. Did you did you find a lot of joy and satisfaction in the work that you did get accomplished? Oh yes, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Well, I praise the Lord for that. Um, could you recollect any? So you got to see the language develop into mm-hmm. uh, you got to see the dialect developed into a written language. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you can do you have any memories of what it was like to see people read that language for the first time? Because I'm sure you were helping them learn read it. Did you mm-hmm. get a chance to help? No, I didn't get to. You chance. didn't get that far. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you just were in the kind of the foundational mm-hmm. uh, beginnings of that. So you were able to take a dialect and tonally figure out how to create an alphabet, you were part of that process. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is very yeah, fascinating. That's why, I mean, it's really unbelievable to think that SIL can do so much in their language training every summer for the summer months and for that amount of time and, and get done what they get done. Yeah, that is amazing. Oh, um, and another thing I was going to say, mm-hmm. I think I told you this before that one of the things that they said that if you're going, when you start translating, try to translate the Gospel of Mark because it's the shortest one, and it's the has the least uh, what doctrinal or what would it be theological questions in it. So it would be the easiest one for you to translate. Translate Mark. The Book of Mark. The Book of Mark. Uh huh. Well, That's Randy, what they said. <laughs> helps us figure out, yeah, what Mickey Kofer was up to and Dr. Keene. Okay, so so. Uh, I'm sure you faced some obstacles in this process uh, of getting there. Do you recollect any just obstacles that you had to overcome? Driving through Mexico and all the police asking for mordidas, getting their, you know, <laughs> the money to for you to go on, you know, because we drove down in the Land Cruiser and uh, through Mexico and on into Guatemala. So it's hard, you know, to make sure that you're right go through all those checkpoints. It was dangerous then, it was and it's dangerous. dangerous now. And that's one of the reasons they, okay, they closed the jungle camp up because of the jungle warfare that was going on with uh, people in Chiapas and stuff, mm-hmm. and so they had to close it down. Yes, I, I can imagine a lot of, lot of things And in on. 1979, I believe they did that. And then SIL, they stopped having their summer SIL things in 1987. And so now they go to the main uh, areas to do it, like in Florida is where they have the headquarters now. It used to be on the West Coast. Okay. Um, what would you tell a person considering the translation ministry right now? If God was like, this sounds exciting, right? So maybe we mm-hmm. got some young people here that are like, you know, I, w- I want to really invest my life, or maybe not young people, by the way. <laughs> 
Seriously, because today technology has changed the way uh, this process mm -hmm. works. And so we, and I don't want to steal any of Randy's thunder here when he comes up in a few minutes, but uh, we have the ability today to, to work as teams digitally as well as you always need the pioneers on the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are in contact with some of those, and I won't say where, what, and where because uh, it's very dangerous uh, today. Most of those closed countries are, are averse to the Bible to begin with. And so, um, but you can, today with technology, you can, right. you can be a linguist and work on a team and be a part of the team. Now, I'm not trying to make it soft and easy because we still need the pioneers. So what would be really cool is if people would raise their hand in their heart and say, you know what, uh, you know, I'm gifted in language and you don't have to be. And gifted in com computers because right now that's what you would have true. to be, yeah. very gifted technologically. Absolutely. I, I, I know a young man in Nepal right now that's uh, working very diligently on some things. And, uh, you know, there's God just brings people to the body. Um, and we pray that, that Sharon's testimony would stir some folks to consider. Maybe, maybe that's something, uh, a way. Now, we know not everyone's going to be a part of the translation process, uh, but maybe some of you should be. Maybe you should be. And maybe God's calling you to that. And, uh, and if that is the case, we have a path for you, and we can help get you on-ramped onto that. And, and so it starts. It starts with uh, how important was discipleship one to you, just practically? Here? here? Just, yeah, here. Just coming here and doing that. It was good because it brought back all the stuff that I knew but wasn't compartmentalized as well as it is as, as done here. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it was very good. Amen. And so... Uh, our church and our sister churches, we're all about equipping the saints of God and the Word of God to accomplish the mission of God. And this is a key aspect of God's mission. Um, I know that Joe, for instance, is dealing with peoples that probably have dialects without a Bible. Uh, I know we talked about that a few years ago. And I know uh, James has served in places uh, where getting the Word of God there is very difficult. And, and the further out you go with God's mission, you know, you're going to run into these things. And, uh, and it's so it's incredible to be a part of a pioneering mm -hmm. work. One of the things about what we, what our passion is, um, is very few folks that are in the in the biz, so to speak, in the in the process of, of translation work, hold fast to an English standard, and have a have a regard have for that. Direct, yeah. And so uh, the critical text mindset is is uh, really the dynamic equivalence is really the biggest issue that can often kind of infect a translation process. And so coming from a, a background where we really believe in the certainty of the words of truth. Uh, why wouldn't the, God provide from that group of people the translation teams that need to get the word where it needs to go on time? So this has been a, a burden here for years, yeah. and I'm praying that God would call people into that. And but it, to me, it's still incredible that there are still languages out there that have nothing written, that they do not have an alphabet, they don't have a grammar. There's mm -hmm. nothing except what they would hear. Amen. Well, Sharon, I appreciate, uh, appreciate your time, and uh, man, I wish we had a little more time, but maybe we'll come back around and visit. That's a really good testimony. I appreciate you coming and sharing. Okay, you're and so welcome. Give, give her some love. God bless you. And see, I didn't use it on you. I didn't do it. Thank you.
his feet first, you know. Uh, we've loved Sharon since she got here, and she's loved on us and just showered us with affection and prayers through everything. So it's uh, it's interesting and, and amazing to get a chance to know her background and who she is. Uh, all right, we're going to sing a song. And you know you talk not that you didn't know that already. Uh you know, you 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 hear Sharon and Brian talk about the, how the name of Jesus is powerful. It can change a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, and it can it can change a person's direction from death to life. And uh I'm so glad that through history and our history that people have invested that life in us so that we can in turn shine as bright as possible um, for the world to see us. So we're going to sing a song called I Speak Jesus. So uh, I want to be able to speak Jesus over everything we do and say. So I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Every dark addiction starts to break there and there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Cause your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over fear and all anxiety To every soul held captive by oppression I speak Jesus Cause your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus, shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. 
Jesus for my family. I'll speak the holy name of Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name of Jesus. Because your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within his presence. I speak Jesus. song thank you for that and I uh, just just want to take a couple minutes because uh, I know we want we got a lot to do uh, tonight and the rest of this week and I just want to take some time uh, after uh, what an awesome inspiring uh, interview that was or testimonial of from Sharon de Leon of Emil and her um, what a godly woman a true represent representative of one who made a decision early in her life um, to surrender that life, to serving the Lord in a foreign country. It's an incredibly amazing thing when you hear about that. And I mean, I've known Sharon for, well, since she came to this church, and uh, I don't think I knew that testimony like that. I mean, I knew that she was part of Wycliffe, but I didn't know she was a prepper, and I didn't know that she, you know, got out there and built a, a stoves out of clay and all that. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, But praise the Lord for the work that you did and the the desire to be a part of the translation of the Bible to a people that at the time lacked not just a copy of the Word of God, but they lacked the Word of God in their heart language. Uh, and maybe you've heard that expression before, their heart language. But if you haven't, let me just kind of grill just as a simple way to understand what a heart language is, what I tell the HBI class. Uh, we're teaching missions right now. And I told them their heart language is the language that you talk to your mom in. 
the language that you talk to your mom in. You may have five languages you're able to speak, but the one that you talk to mom, that's your heart language. That's what she wants to talk to you in as well. And people want to know their heart language. They want, they want the word of God to be in their heart language. Now, everybody in this room speaks English, I think. I mean, that's pretty much your first language, right, your English. Maybe there's a couple of people that's not. But for the most part, your heart language is English. And just imagine if you've ever been to another country or never been to a place where you don't understand what is being said all around you, you'd long for your heart language. And people long for their heart language to be, to, to be the word of God be in their heart language. And that's what translation is about. And that's what this ministry wants to get to the point of doing. We want to be able to, um, to help us introduce ourselves uh, to how we can focus this ministry on helping people get to the point of doing what Sharon had done and what others have done already to give their life to help somebody get the word of God in their heart language. That's an incredible, amazing thing. Our theme for, this, for this, uh, this conference, as you know, is Proverbs chapter 24, verse 27. Uh, and you've, you've heard this already a couple times today. But just rem- as a reminder, prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field. And afterwards, build thine house. And that, the, uh, the idea is, you know, we can't publish in this ministry right now. We don't have big publishing. Pre- we have a digital press that was donated to us. That's been an incredible blessing. We've been able to do a lot of projects because of that press that we haven't been able to do. But we don't really print Bibles yet. We'll, I'm asking God to give us a, to get us to the point of being able to do that very thing. Um, and I'll talk more about that in just a minute. But that verse says that we that we need to prepare means to set up, to make firm, to establish, to prepare the Word of God for other people that need to hear it. That's what we're talking about when we say prepare the work. What is the work? The work is to translate the Bible, to get the Bible into heart languages for other people can hear them, no matter where they are in the world. And so I just want to encourage you in that, to think about it, to pray about it, to ask God how you can be a part of it. The the words of God need to be set up and they need to be established in the language of the recipient because it does, I think even Sharon made the point, it does not not do anybody any good if they have a Bible that they cannot read. Or if they have a Bible, even if you could read it to them, they didn't understand the words because they don't know your language. They need a Bible in their language. So it's in this context that the focus is for us to recognize the need to be a part of the translation of the Word of God in the heart language of people who lack a Bible. And she gave numbers, and I agree with those numbers. I know there's various uh, websites you can go to, and the numbers will be slightly varying you know whether it's 7,099 or 6,847 does it really matter there's still half of the population doesn't have a bible that's all you really need to keep in mind is half the population does not have a bible in their heart language and we as a church have the opportunity everybody here has the opportunity to be in some place some way somehow part of getting the bible translated Maybe you're not the one that goes to the foreign war field and, and tries to get the phonetic sounds and make a, make a symbol that we would call a letter, make a symbol to, to replicate that sound. Maybe you're not doing that. That is something that Sharon was doing, and that's what you, some people do need to do that. But there's other things that, can be, that we are doing as well. So I want you to see in the scripture, before we go do anything else, I want to remind you of how God continues to move through our faithfulness in this church. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 6, verse 20, he says, O Timothy, 
keep that which is committed to thy trust. And I would very strongly say that God has committed his word to your trust. This church has been entrusted with the word of God, not just the Bible you have on your lap, but to, to do what we're doing here, to put Bibles in a box so the box can be shipped someplace so people can have it. He's committed that to us, and we need to keep that which is committed to us and make it fit, uh, and go on and says, um, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. We don't need to get into a lot of um, discussion about it. We just need to do it. That's what the Bible conference is about. And he also said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, he says, Continue in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We just need to continue doing what we're doing. So we can all admit that it's truly amazing how God has blessed the Bible ministry, this ministry, what we call Word First Bible Ministry. Maybe you don't really know about it, but from where I sit and looking at what God has done in this ministry for the last 10, 12 years, however long we've been doing this and praying over it and thinking about it. God has done a lot in this ministry. It's an amazing thing. And so in fact, I believe that God is taking this ministry to a place that nobody thought about in, in, before. When we started the Bible in, the Bible ministry and we were going to do Bible conferences, uh, the goal was just to get Bibles in a box. That was our goal, to get the Bibles in a box. But I think God has moved us to do some things. It's an amazing opportunity that we've had we've we've acquired equipment we've acquired uh, uh shelving and cabinets and new methods of material handling uh we're we've got a building that's that was a huge step for this ministry to get a building and it's all because god wants this ministry to do something if you step back and say god what are you doing you should do that in your life sometimes just step back god what are you doing what do you want me to do where do you want me to go and how do you want me to do it i think that will god you having that conversation with god will will give you a great insight of what he wants you to do. And that's what he's doing with this ministry. I see it happening all the time. So while we may never be directly involved in translation, uh, meaning we may not have a team of translators, wouldn't that be awesome if we had a team of translators? What do you think, Brian? We should have a team of translators. Pick a language and get busy. Uh, I mean, that's so in a minute I'm going to give you some suggestions. You should pray, how can I be a part of translating the Bible? Not do the Bible translation itself, but how can I be a part of the translation work? And the work is huge. The work is great. I mean, you've got to learn how to build a, a campfire and live in the jungle for three days. You don't have to do that. You just, just get busy. She said, use a computer. There you go. Get started. And so um, we may never be directly involved, but we're already being tasked to work in languages that we never thought we would ever work in. And let me just give you a list of languages that this ministry has done, but the Word First Bible uh, ministry, and what, we've, what languages that we've worked on. So far, we've done English, of course. I mean, that's a pretty easy one. Uh, we've also done French. We've done French Bibles. We've printed French New Testaments and sent them to churches that needed New Testaments in French. We've done Portuguese. We've done Burmese. We've done Chichewa. No, that was what we did last year, right? We did 25,000 Chichewa. We're doing some more this year. Uh, we've done Spanish, of course. We've done Romanian. Uh, we've done Polish. We've done Arabic New Testaments. We've done uh, uh, several different languages. There's more languages I couldn't even remember them all because there's just a lot of there. But we have given much. We've been given much. We've been given plenty of opportunities. And and the thing is, is we don't we don't just want to do a, well, a conference and call it quits for the rest of the year. We want to do Bibles year round. And I think that's what God wants for us to do: is do Bibles year round. And so if you look at Isaiah chapter 66, verses 18 and 19, 
I think there's a good reason that God wants this ministry to do what it's doing and do it at a greater level. He says, for I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. In verse 19, and I will set a sign among them, and I will send those that escape of them unto the nations, to Tarshish, to Pol, and Lud, that draw the bow to Tubal and Javan, to the isles of afar off. And then he says this, that, that they have not heard my fame, neither have they seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. That's why God needs his word to be published around the world, so people can see the glory of God. And so God is preparing HBF. I believe he's preparing this church. If you remember this church, you don't, may not know this is happening. I think it is happening. I think God is preparing this church and he's preparing this ministry to be more involved in the declaration of God's glory, as he says at the end of verse 19 there. So just since the last Bible conference, many of us, I know I have anyway, been praying that God allow us a greater opportunity in the transmission and the translation of his word. That is one of my prayers, that we, God allows us to be more involved in that, more possibilities to continue doing that. And so um, over the last year, God has revealed opportunities for us to have a greater hand in different languages, not just the, the language like I listed them off where we did some Bible, put them in a box and shipped them off. But here's the things that we've had opportunities to do. So not everything that we're doing is limited to a Bible assembly. Uh, it's an amazing thing how God is trusting us to do different things. So we have a digital press. And we're able to see God bring us new opportunities to work in new languages just since the Bible conference last year. I mean, for the last 11 years, we did a conference once a year and we were done and then we just we waited until the next year. And we planned and we waited until the next year. But now in the last 12 months, since September of last year, there's been an incredible amount of work that we have been doing out there in the army, armory. (laughs) It's an army that needs to be out there in the armory. Uh, and so uh, let me just give you some idea. Um, let's see where I'm at in my own notes. Okay, so uh, so we got Joe Hendricksman here uh, and his wife, and they asked us, if, I don't know how many months, earlier this year, I don't remember when, if we could print a track. And I said, well, I don't know. Let me ask uh, the people that actually have to do the printing part, and let me see what they say. And he said, oh, yeah, we can do a track. So this is the track. So we've produced this track, and this is the cool thing. This is a... Uh, if I say this right, it's, a, it's an indigenous Indian tribe, uh, Indian group of people on the border of Oaxaca and Veracruz. There are about 60,000 people in that, in that group. And that's, that, that doesn't sound like a lot, but, I mean, that's bigger than Harrisonville. And so this, tri- this track here is the Popuka, Popoluca, Popoluca tribe. Uh, that's the language here. Um, how, do, how come we're doing Popoluca? Pop- I can't even say it. Popoluca, how come we're doing that? Because we said God use us for other languages. And so this came, 50,000 tracks. Uh, we, we need them folded before the end of the week. Uh, so we'll have those out here in the, uh, in the, uh, the common grounds room. We've got some, some little nice little jigs to be able to make the fold square and make them look nice. And then we're going to bundle them up, put them in boxes, and we're going to get them down to Joe as best we can. So uh, they're actually going to a pastor that Joe knows, who came to Joe because Joe had Bibles that he was giving away. And so the guy says, can you help me with this? Can you know somebody that can print this for me? And he said, well, I think so. And he contacted us. And so, so it's just an amazing thing that we, this little church in, in the middle of Missouri, in the middle of the United States, we're not really in the middle of Missouri, but we're in the middle of the United States, that God used this church so that people can reach the Popoluca people. 
that's what's happening here. Now, we don't know yet right now if these people actually have a Bible. But what if they needed a Bible? Can HBF be a part of providing that group with the Bible? I would say, my God says we can. So I think, yeah, okay, we can do that. Let me give you another idea of things. So this booklet here, so we had Brian Calloway uh, on uh, this morning. He was preaching. This booklet right here, he mentioned it. Pastor Brian mentioned it. This is a copy of the, the, gospel, the gospel of John, the book of Romans, and the book of First John in the Lamba language in Zambia. And so uh, this is the booklet that uh, Brian gave. Pastor Brian says, can you help us with this? Can you reproduce this thing? Can you create, recreate it? And uh, so it took a long time because, well, none of, none of the ladies that did all the typing know how to spe- spell in Lamba. And they don't know how to write and read in Lamba, but we got it done. It took a long time to get it done. I mean, literally, not just look at the word. You know, if you type a word, you know how to spell it. You can type it pretty fast if you have that skill. We had to type them one letter at a time. Check that letter, check that, check that letter, type it, check that letter, type it, check that letter, type it. And we finally got it done. Then we got it all printed. So there's 2,500 of these that need to be finalized to trim. So out there in the armory, we need a team of people to, to trim these down, get them in a box, and get them ready to ship to Zambia. So that's an amazing thing as well. Um, so um, we've, we've done, we don't have them here, but we've done discipleship lessons in three different Philippine languages. Uh, I don't remember all the languages. Um, I, don't, I don't even want to try to tell you all the languages because I don't remember them. But three different languages we've done. We've done tracks, and we've done discipleship lessons, we printed those up, and they've been shipped to the Philippines, and they're being used right now. Um, we have a possibility of, a, of an opportunity to print training material for a Bible college in Kenya. That just came up recently. Uh, we can't get it done. They, they needed it done a little bit faster than we can get it done because of the Bible conference scheduling. Uh, so that's a possibility that we'll be able to work in, a, in that language for Kenya. And um, now this is a really cool thing. Uh, I, I got an email about... Well, by now, it's probably about five weeks ago, from a representative at the Trinitarian Bible Society. Uh, they're the, Trini- the Trinitarian Bible Society is the only Bible society that does translation using the Texas Receptus. Um, and uh, they, they emailed me and said, hey, could you help us? Do you know somebody that can speak Chichewa fluently, can speak English fluency, and is theologically trained? I need somebody, they said, to, to be a point person to evaluate what they have produced for the Old Testament of the Chichewa language. And what's really cool about that is they came to us and asked us, hey, do you know anybody that can help us? I mean, the Trinitarian Bible Society, you think they'd know. Uh, and so they asked us, and so we did say, yes, we know a guy in, in, in Africa that can do exactly what you did. So we put them together, and so he is working on evaluating and uh, reviewing the, the Old Testament and so what that means, well, I think probably we'll be involved in producing that in some way, somehow, down the road. So, you know, we, I just gave a name, and we were able to now have, have that contact, and that contact, I think, will be able to produce a whole Bible for the Chichewa language uh, in Zambia, in Malawi. Um, I don't know when, maybe a year, maybe two years from now. It does take time to make all that stuff work. And then the, the last thing... Um, that I want to mention, and you'll hear more about this on uh, Wednesday night, so don't, don't go away. You need to be here on Wednesday night. 
Um, we, I believe that God is going to allow us to have a part in the printing support for the Albanian Bible Project that's coming towards you to here. Uh, the speaker uh, on um, Wednesday night, if you look in the little speaker's list, his name is Arian Bolgi, and him and his wife are translating the Bible into a new version of, the, of a, a good translation Bible for the, for the Albanian language. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about that because uh, we're not doing the translation, but he is a translator, him and his wife. That's what they do. They translate. And so I think, I'm hoping, I'm praying that God allow us to be involved in the production of those Bibles and New Testaments when their time is, that we would be a part of that. Those are the kind of things that I think God is doing with this ministry. And I think that's where God is taking this ministry, to do more things for him and for his glory and for his word. And so I'm, I just want to ask you that you just pray. Just continue praying that God would use HBF to reach the world. Because that is our mission's effort. Everything we do missions-wise is to reach the world with the gospel. And so, uh, you know that the world is becoming more sinful daily, right? You know what it is. And the only way that we can have an impact with in, the, in that is to send the word. To send the word. And so we've got to be involved in sending the word. Now, you're all familiar with the expression, the, the, the part of a verse that says, to whom much is given, much is required. Everybody knows that verse, right? They know what that says. That. If you look at uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 48, that's where you find that statement. This is actually the middle part of the verse, Luke 12, 48. And what follows in that verse tells us something that's really important that we seem to overlook. What follows that, he says, from the middle to the end, for unto whom much is, whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Now, what that means, if you were to see, I think what that's saying is God expects much from our ministry. Because he's given us much. He expects much. But at the same time, I expect a lot from God, too. I, I don't, I mean, seriously, I, what do I expect from God? I expect him to help me do what he's put on my heart. I, I actually expect God. Why? Because what he says in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, I don't think this was going to be on the screen, but Matthew 7, verse 11, Jesus Christ says, How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? And what am I asking God? Give me good things. Help this ministry, help this church be engaged in translation and transmission of the Word of God. Those two, those two lump, if you catalog those two things, there's a lot under transmission or under translation, and there's a lot under transmission. But I think that's what God wants this church to be involved in in some way. I know we've got a lot of other things going on. I'm not trying to take all the thunder of this church, but this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And so let's not be afraid to commit or to ask our Father in heaven to fulfill our expectations of great things in using it to his glory. Commit to be a bigger part of getting the word of God going out. Commit to the assembly. Commit to the financial support of this, of this ministry. Uh, commit. I would say commit to seeking where you can fit in the greater process of preparing the word of God, producing the word, propagating the word of God, um, sending it out. Uh, how can you be involved? Just even if you're just involved in a small part of it, you know, we're not asking you to uh, surrender to a tribe that's never heard of a white person speaking or a, you know the, the name of God or anything. That it doesn't matter. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm just asking you to ask God. Hey, God, I want to be part of something that that is big in the world. 
Ask God that. I think he'll give it to you. And we should never be afraid to ask God for more just because he tells us that he may expect more from us. Because I think sometimes that's what we do. Uh, well, uh, I'm not going to ask God for more because he, if, he, if I ask more, then he'll expect more. Well, that's a negative attitude, by the way. Don't go there. So like, well, my God, is a, my God he, would, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I think he has the ability to give me what I'm asking so I can serve him to the level that I want to serve him. That I, my desire is to serve him. So what he expects from us is covered by what he gives us, by the way. What he expects from us is covered by what he gives us, and we can only, we, he, we can only give what we ask of him. We can only give what, he, what we ask of him. And so, so when we make a commitment to God, especially of our life, he will, be, he will bless those resources to meet the expectations. I think every missionary ultimately has to ask that same question, how can I serve you, Lord? And I want to go here, Lord. Let me go here and serve you. And they, that's how people get to the mission field. I think you ask any missionary, they'll probably tell you that's basically was part of the process, part of the process of getting ready, even as a pastor of a church. God, let me, let me pastor a church. I want to pastor a church. And now God expects a lot from our pastors. But he's asked for a lot. And God, God is going to give him a lot. So pray for the growing opportunity to see trainers, translators trained and projects completed and the word of God sent. Ask God how you can invest in the word to get the heart language of a people group into the written word so that they have the heart language so that they can talk to their father in heaven. And uh, so that's all I just wanted to mention just as a word of encouragement. Uh, we've got some other things going on. Uh, I'm going to let, um, I think Bob's going to come up and uh, give you some instructions on how we're going to get started for the night. We, we have a lot of production to get, to get done. I do need people to help cut out in the armory these, these booklets and Bibles. And uh, then we, uh, are we set up for folding yet? the tracks now yeah we'll fold them start folding the tracks tomorrow do what which part as soon as possible i i that's just i i don't i, I don't have a date it's just as soon as possible the quicker the better the quicker the better um 50, tracks it'll take a little while anyway all right well uh bye brian bob somebody come up here rescue me <laughs> You guys excited? All right, you are. So you've been blessed today? I know I have. And it's every time I hear somebody get up and speak, I get that much more excited. So uh, we've had a great day. We've got a lot of things uh, done, and we've got a lot of things in the works. So if you can stick around a, a little bit after after we're done here, we've got rolling to continue to keep doing. We've got checking to do, uh, binding, some trimming out in the armory. Uh, we'll probably stay for... A, close to maybe 10 o'clock, so if you got time to do that, stay, and uh, we'll just continue. We'll start tomorrow, breakfast is at 8 o'clock, and then we'll start assembling Bibles again at 9, so we'll do that tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday, as long as the work holds out, and I uh, hope you all can come as much as you can. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get back to work. So Father in heaven, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you have allowed us to be a part of assembling your word and getting it spread out to the world, Lord. So we just thank you that uh, we're blessed in doing that, Lord. We just pray for these Bibles that are, that are going out, and we just pray that you would use them 
for uh, uh, getting people saved and getting people uh, built up in your word. And we just ask a blessing upon our, our Bible ministry and our, our Bible conference this, this year, Lord. And we just look for more to come. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Did you have any?